All right, men, y'all go ahead. I'm sure you're already there, but if you're not, open up to Romans chapter 5, and we are going to continue our study of Romans tonight, lesson number 21, Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at half of verse 2, and we've been talking about, or we started talking about last week, we've been talking about justification by faith and that alone for a long time now, several weeks. And last week we, we looked at the results of justification there in verse 1 of chapter 5 where we talked about peace with God. So let's read 1 and 2 and then we'll get started. It says, 1, therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. That was our first result of justification. I told you whenever you see a therefore, what's it there for? It's there because he's been telling us about justification by grace through faith in Christ alone for quite some time now. And now he's saying this, because of that, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We're going to be talking tonight about the second result of justification, which is access to God. Last week we read Colossians 1, 21 and 22, and verse 21 told us this, that we were alienated. And was anybody paying attention last week? What, what does alienated mean? Exactly, cut off. And that's what we learned last week. And that word alienated in the Greek means to be cut off or to be separated or severed. We were cut off from a holy God. So this week, Paul is showing us the second result which will be access to God. Now, we take that for granted so much, especially the longer we walk with Christ, it seems we take our access that has been purchased for us for granted. We, we, we often just approach God flippantly because we've gotten used to being able to do that. I don't want us to take that for granted any longer. I want us to see that it was by the sacrifice, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, His death, that he died on a cross that allows us access to God. So every time we are able to access God, whether that's through prayer, whether that's through seeking his will and being obedient to his will, whether that's receiving forgiveness and mercy and grace and the things that we're going to talk about in regard to accessing God tonight, um, no matter what that is, we need to always remember this. That came at a great price. The fact that we who were once cut off from a holy God. And we know this. There's no sense in, in reiterating this, but I'll say it again. We were cut off because of our wickedness. And when that wickedness was taken care of by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and we were declared righteous by faith in the finished work of Calvary and what Jesus did for us there, we know this. No longer are we cut off, but we have continual access to the throne room of God. Now, please understand, before Christ, we were not welcome to access our holy creator. Cut off, completely separated. J.I. Packer says this, he says, Access to God under all circumstances is guaranteed by Christ's one sacrifice that covers all transgressions. I don't want us to take our access to God for granted, because our access to God comes through that one sacrifice of Jesus Christ that made it possible. Now, in saying that, I want you to understand the principles pre-Christ, before you were in Christ, and those that you know who aren't in Christ. They do not have access to the things that we are going to talk about in regard to God tonight. In fact, they don't have access to God at all. They can't walk in His will. They can't walk in obedience. They can't live according to His plan. They don't receive His mercy. They don't receive His grace. They don't receive His fellowship. They're not in His family. All of those things come through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We know this. We have hammered this and we will continue to hammer it. Is the only thing that allows us to be right, we know, righteous, that allows us to be declared right with God. So what we're going to do tonight is going to be a little different. I'm going to, I'm going to get some discussion from you. And I'll say this. Uh, uh, 
keep your, your feedback as brief as possible because I'm going to repeat what you say so that anybody listening can kind of hear the feedback. So when I call for feedback, it will be obvious. You'll know that. But the first thing that I want us to talk about, I want us to talk about um, God's mercy. Because of justification, we have access to God. We know that. And having access to God, we receive an abundance of things from the riches of His grace that He lavished on us in Christ. So we're going to look at those things, and I'll tell you this. We could spend months talking about every little intricate thing that we have, al have been allowed in Christ to access from a holy God. All of those things will be contained, I believe, somewhat in what we're going to talk about tonight, the seven things that we are going to cover. Uh, but we won't be able to talk about every little minute thing because that's how wonderful our God is. We could spend our whole lives probably sitting in a room just like this thinking of little things that we have access to because we have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary. So we're going to start like this. Uh, the first thing I want you to see is God's mercy. Because of justification by faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to God, which includes access to God's mercy. Hebrews chapter 4 says this. I'm going to read verse 15, but I want to really focus on 16. In fact, the first two po points we're going to focus on 16. But 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Of course, he's referring to Jesus, our great high priest, who was sinless. And he says in verse 16, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy. So that we may receive mercy. When we were cut off because of our sin from God, we had no access to the mercy of God. But because of Christ, we now have access to every ounce of God's mercy. Now, if you've read your Bibles, you know this, that His compassions, what do they do each day? Huh? They don't fail, but what do they do? They, they renew themselves each day. His, his compassions are new every single day. His mercy is never going to run out. Anybody here thankful for that? First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Watch what he says in verse 10. Once you were not a people, why? Because we were cut off from God. He says, you're not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Somebody tell me how you actively see God's mercy, because when we talk about these elements, we're going to look at the now, and we're going to look at the eternal. Somebody tell me how in your life now, in this earth, that you experience access to God's mercy? How would that be? This is the feedback time. Yeah, you receive forgiveness of your sin, for sure. Someone else, how do you, right now, experience the mercy of God because you have access to Him? His patience, yeah, isn't, isn't, isn't when He's patient to us, isn't that a great display of His mercy? For sure. Someone else, right now in your life. Peace. We talked about that last week. He gives us that peace. He made us at peace with Himself because He's merciful. Someone else, how do we experience God's mercy now? I mean, here we go, spiritual growth, uh, understanding and seeing that God is there and He's leading, He's guiding us, He's guiding us away from potential things that we know not of, for sure. Someone else. Not giving you what you deserve. Now, that's what I have in my list of things to talk about. Um, not giving us what we deserve. I am experiencing access to God's mercy right now because He did not judge my sin. 
I know this. I know what Scripture says. It says that I was born into this world condemned already. Every day that I don't, just like Jay said, every day that I realize I don't, nor will I ever get what I deserve, I see God's mercy. That's His mercy. So what about eternally? How are we going to experience God's mercy in the eternal? We're not going to face His wrath. I think Paul's covered this for us, hasn't he? That all of us apart from Christ were destined for the wrath of God. He made it pretty clear in the previous chapters that there are going to be people who face and are facing right now the wrath of God. We as believers, we can rest assured of this. The wrath of God has been removed from our life because we have been justified, declared righteous by a holy God because of what Jesus Christ did for us at the cross and faith in that and that alone. What else for eternity in regard to accessing God and His mercy will we see? Yeah, reconciliation. Will we experience eternally reconciliation with our Creator? You bet. These are reasons that we ought to rejoice when we think about the magnitude of the fact that we have access to God. That includes the here and the now and the eternal. Anyone else on the eternal aspect of it? The wars. Anybody here believe that God is a God who rewards those who diligently seek Him? He is, because Scripture says that He is. So here's the thing. Do we deserve any reward? Yet He's going to reward the faithful for all eternity? That's mercy. Someone else. To be seen in Christ's righteousness. Did you know this? You will experience the mercy of God for all eternity. He will never see you as the filthy scoundrel who you were before you were redeemed. He will see you as glorified and perfect and holy without spot, without blemish, just as He sees the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. That's eternal access to God's mercy. So we see God's mercy, and because we have been justified in Christ, we have access to His mercy. Now, and eternally. So I would say this to you, each of you here who are believers, you have surrendered to Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. You are justified because of the faith that you have in Him, because the Holy God has declared you righteous. I would say to you, in the here and now, walk in the mercy that Jesus Christ paid for you to have. Now, doesn't the enemy like to tell us because you've done something wrong, you can no longer access the Father? Let's ask this simple question. Did you access the Father initially because you were perfect? You were in need of what? Mercy. And God who is rich in mercy gave you that mercy. And He will continue to give you that mercy in this life and for all eternity because it was purchased by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf and on the behalf of all those who by faith trust in Him. They are justified and declared as righteous, giving them access to God and access to God's mercy. Secondly, we not only have, because of justification, access to God's mercy, we have access to God's grace. I know sometimes we get the two confused. We're going to clear that up tonight, I hope. But Hebrews makes a distinction. Again, 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So he speaks of mercy, and then he speaks of grace. And we know that both of those Come because we have access to God, because we have been justified through Jesus Christ, we now have access to God's mercy and to God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, we, we've read it many times in this study. We're going to read a portion of it again, verse 4 of 2. We'll read on down to 7 or 8, but it says, Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We heard earlier that mercy and the fact that we can access mercy allows us to not get what we deserve. Right? I want you to understand that grace 
is to get more than you could ever deserve. So when we look at grace, we have to understand it is God pouring blessings on those who he has showered with his mercy. Both of these are accessed because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us, because we have been declared righteous and because we have access to God. We can confidently go before his throne of grace when we need mercy, when we need grace. So in the now, how do we see God's grace operating in the now? For the believer. Him enabling us to do what he requires us to do. Isn't that grace? The power of the Holy Spirit. God's grace to enable us to do what he's called us to do. We couldn't do it without his grace, could we? What else? Every resource. Does our Heavenly Father tell us to do anything that he does not give us the resources to accomplish that? Absolutely not. Someone else, in the here and now, how do we see access to God's grace in our lives? Any of you have blessings that you receive in the here and now from God? Huh? Now let me ask you this question. Did any of you deserve them? No. Are they beyond anything that you could even begin to measure or even imagine? Yes. Um, we forget to look at the simple things and to realize I say this to people all the time, and they don't quite understand it. Anything that we have, please listen to me. Anything that we have that is better than hell is grace. It's a blessing. It's a blessing that you didn't deserve. It's a blessing that comes straight from God. Now, we know this. He showed us his mercy. He rescued us from hell. Now, anything after that, is from the riches of His grace. Someone else, how do you experience His grace in the now? Hold on, one at a time. Hold on, He said prayer, and I don't, I don't want to leave that. Prayer. Man, to think that we can, now because we have access to God, receive from our Heavenly Father what He leads us to pray through the Spirit and ask Him of. Prayer. Someone else. Fellowship, and we're going to talk a lot about that in just a second because that's part of the access, that koinonia, that intimate fellowship. But yes, someone else. Restoration, doesn't he give back what sin destroyed piece by piece, even in our lives? We know that he will ultimately for eternity, but I can't help but think back to the story of Job. Did he restore Job beyond anything that he had in the beginning? Did he have to? Let's ask this question. Did Job deserve it? Did Job earn it? No, it was all according to God's restoration and His grace. Anyone else want to share on the nouns of God's grace? Yeah, hope. In fact, next week, we're going to talk a whole lesson about hope. But hope is a grace. We have it because He allows us to have it. Every day that we hope, uh, when there is a world who is out there lost and floundering who has no hope, God has blessed us with the eternal hope. Someone else. What about the eternal in regard to God's grace? Yeah, eternal life. Isn't that a pretty huge promise that Jesus makes? Now, watch this. If I didn't get help, because I deserve help, That'd be God's mercy. Aren't you thankful that He takes it a step further? And He says this You deserve hell, but I'm going to rescue you from hell. And I'm going to declare you as righteous. And because I have declared you as righteous, I'm going to give you the full right of a son. I'm going to bring you into my house, and you are going to dwell with me for all eternity. Listen, men, that's grace. Every day when, when we are joined together with Christ, every day, every second of eternity is going to be grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Every single moment is going to be the greatest reward that we could ever imagine. What else can we think of when we think about His eternal grace? 
when we are glorified and we are now not only positionally righteous, we're practically righteous. He makes us the righteousness of Jesus Christ, glorified and perfected state. Now think about that for a second. What kind of grace is that? When we enter into His presence, there will be no more fear, anxiety, doubt, depression, sickness, temptation, lust, anything that comes from the flesh, we will no longer experience that because He is graciously going to glorify us. And we know Scripture says, in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye, boom, it's going to happen. And as that happens, we are going to be graced. When we see Christ face to face for the very first time, we are not going to see Him through our sinful eyes. We are going to see Him through our perfected eyes. We are going to experience Him forever. Watch this. Unhindered by sin. We have no idea what that's going to be like. I, I can't even begin to explain because I can't even begin to understand what that's going to be like. To, to look at Him in, in all of His glory and all of His majesty and all of His holiness and to, for the first time, for the first time, be able to do that untainted by my human flesh and my human sin. Wow, that's great. And we're going to experience that forever in His presence. That's grace. That's the grace that He gives us access to because those of us who have been justified in Christ have access to God, which includes His mercy and His grace. We could talk about His mercy and His grace all night long, and I would enjoy doing that. Anytime you guys want to come over, bring some ribeyes, bring a lot of them, bring some Diet Mountain Dew, we'll sit down and we'll do this. We will talk about His mercy and His grace until we're all um, just ready to go home or we run out of ribeyes and Diet Mountain Dew. His mercy, His grace. But let's don't stop there. When we have access to God, and we've touched on some of these others that we're going to in talking about mercy and grace that we're going to be discussing, but the next thing we see is because of justification through faith in Jesus Christ, we have access to God, which includes access to God's righteousness, to His righteousness. We started to touch on this, and I had to pull back the reins a little bit, but now we're here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 says, But what it was Whatever was to my profit, Paul says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness, or to the surpassing greatness, excuse me, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Everything that had once been important to Paul is no longer important. I consider them rubbish. Did you really lose anything if it's rubbish? That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. We've been talking about this righteousness all the way back in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, that righteousness that comes from God. Now, it comes from God because we have been justified, and because we have been justified in Christ, declared righteous, we now have access to God, access to God's mercy, access to God's grace, and access to God's righteousness. Now, how do we experience God's righteousness in this world that we live in right now? Somebody help me. Conviction. Right? What is that conviction doing? That conviction is moving us towards what? Righteousness is moving us toward doing the things that we were incapable of doing before we could access the righteousness of God. Someone else. Obedience. That's why these things, when we're obedient, are called righteous acts. We know this in and of ourselves. Our righteous attempt is what? Filthy rags. Now that we're in Christ and we've been declared righteous, accessing the righteousness of God because we have access to God, we know this, His Holy Spirit who lives in us, just as we've already covered, He leads us into what? Righteousness. He leads us into righteous deeds. We know this, some of those deeds that He leads us into, we were incapable of doing on our own. Many of you have walked with Christ long enough that I know this. I see it in my life. 
He does things through me, and I'm awe-stricken that He's done that through me. Because I know this. It's completely opposite of my human nature. My human nature is to tell you to take a hike. But yet He does things like kindness, mercy, and compassion through a guy whose nature is to tell you to take a hike. And so we see His righteousness in the here and now. Uh, we, we see it and we experience it because, we've already used this term, we've been made righteous positionally. Because we have been made righteous positionally, practically that begins to come out of our life, doesn't it? Someone else, righteousness in the now. How do you see your access to God's righteousness being lived out? Forgiveness. Yeah, he lets you experience the fact that you've been made right by forgiving you, doesn't he? Someone else. Forgiving yourself, getting past your shame. Um, it's not important. Let me say this, that you forgive yourself. What's important is this, that you rest in the forgiveness of God. Because you may never have the capacity to forgive yourself. But if you're a believer here today, you have the capacity in you to rest in the righteousness of God. So when the enemy comes against you and he tells you how wretched you used to be and awful that you used to be, and you said, I can't forgive myself, that's okay because God has forgiven me and I am justified and he has allowed me to access his righteousness. So we see in the now, understanding his word, he's leading us in paths of righteousness, and we know in doing that we see those things unfold in his word. Isn't it funny how the Word comes alive to a believer and before you know it, our life begins to conform to the things to the pages of these 66 books that are outdated, right? As many would say. They're not relevant. You're not saved. Because I promise you, these 66 books are relevant to every person who's truly been born again, who has been justified by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. So we see God's righteousness in the here and now. What about eternally? How will we experience that? In the very presence of the Father, we will see the full extent of righteousness, won't we? Is anybody going to get to be in His presence for eternity without full righteousness? Can anybody achieve full righteousness on their own? We've covered this in the study so far. I want to make sure you're getting it. No! Because there's a righteousness from God that is apart from the law and anything that we can do. We can't be justified by those things. We're justified by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're going to stand in the presence of God. Watch this. Get this. I've said it already. 100% righteous. Now stop. Think about that for a second. You don't really know what that's like. But you will. That's a promise from God. You will. You will stand there without spot, without blemish, in the holy presence of your Creator because of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. I know what people say. Kirk, that cross is, is just a really big deal to you, isn't it? Yes. My Lord who died there allows me access to my Creator that I could not have had. I had no access to His mercy, to His grace, to His righteousness. But now, I will be made eternally righteous in the presence of a holy God because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Many of you don't understand this. If you get that principle, I mean if you really get it, you will be ahead of 90% of American Christians who do not really fully understand justification through faith alone in Jesus Christ. How it then, and then alone, is able to declare us as righteous in the sight of God. Not by what we did, but what Christ did for us. So we see, because of justification by faith in Christ, we have access to God, to God's mercy, God's grace, God's righteousness. And then this one that we forget about a lot of times, God's will. I love it 
when a lost person comes to me and asks me to help them find God's will. And I tell them, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find God's will. You don't have access to knowing God's will. You can't. You can't, as an unbeliever, know the will of God. Now, I can tell you this. God can perform His will even when you're lost in you without you knowing it. But you're not going to know it. You don't understand the things of God. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit. And so, in talking about access to God, we have to understand because of Christ, we now have access to God's will. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says it like this. It says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good, watch this, for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Before Christ, you could not know God's will. You could not do God's will. But in Christ, we have access to the will of God, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I get cracked up when I have people come to me and they say, Pastor, I'm looking for the will of God. I've looked everywhere, I've searched everywhere, and I tell them this. Are you a believer? Yes, I'm a believer. He's not hiding it from you. Why are you looking so frantically? You don't have to go on a hunt for God's will. You rest in God's will. You walk in the Spirit, you will walk in the will of God. People crack me up all the time. And Christians who've been Christians for a long time. Why do I have complete and utter access to the will of God for my life? Because Christ paid for me to have that. God is not going to hide from me what God desires of me for His glory. He's not going to hide it from you. So stop going on this frantic hunt searching for God's will and just rest in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, what He did for you at Calvary. And in doing that, as you walk in the Spirit, watch this. You are going to find yourself walking in the will of God. Now, what's cool is, as a believer, you're now going to recognize the will of God. And you're going to recognize those things that are not the will of God. So how do we experience access to the will of God in our life right now as a believer? A new want to. And don't you? New desire. Let me just help you. If you've been a Christian any amount of time and you don't have a new desire, you need to rethink your Christianity. You have a new desire. Does that mean you always get it right? No. Sinless perfection is not... Uh, what we're looking for. Sinless perfection is not the evidence that you're born again. But I promise you this, a desire to do the will of God is. Desire to do the will of God is evidence that you truly are born again. Someone else, how do you experience that access to the will of God in the here and now? You have a heart of a servant. Jesus come here with anything less than that? Absolutely not. The heart of a servant. How do these things come about? He guides you? Is that what you said? He guides you? Yeah. And how does He guide us? Yeah, His Word. Let's talk about that for a second. We can know God's will because of God's Word. When you were an unbeliever, this was just a book. It didn't make sense. You know, that's, that's a, a, a cue to me when somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, man, I read the Bible, it just doesn't make sense. I go, ding, ding, ding. So tell me how long you've been a Christian. Well, I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just really getting into this thing. And I, that's why it doesn't make sense. Because you're trying to, from the natural, understand something that's supernatural. You're not going to do that. Because this is a revelation to God's people of His will. You're not going to get it. I didn't get it either. But when we're born again, when we are justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, we know this. God then allows us to see His Word. It begins to open up. We, in fact... Get hungry for the truths that are found in here. Our eyes are open to things we never have seen before. Our mind is open to things that we have never contemplated before. Our heart is open to the things of God like it never has been. So understand when we look at that, yes, the will of God is revealed to us through the Word of God. How else? Through discipline? Hey, if God disciplines you away from something, is He showing you that that's not the direction that He wants you to go? Absolutely. See God's Discipline as the fact that you have access to the discipline of God. What do we talk about Sunday? Hebrews chapter 12, we know this. If you're without discipline, you are illegitimate. You're not his child. So when we see the fact that he disciplines us, it confirms to us we are his child. Good news. I used to get upset about it. I 
got to a point in my life where I tried to rebel against God. I'm ashamed of it. Wish I wouldn't have done it, but I did. But what confirmed to me that I was his is he got my attention and he put me back in line. He didn't let me, nor will he ever let his children settle in rebellion and disobedience ever again. We were purchased from that. And so he's not going to let us go back into that. You're going to face this discipline. And you're facing this discipline. It is because you have access to the will of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Someone else. How do we experience in the now? Man, a motivation to bring glory to God, not ourselves. Isn't that the truth? Is that his will? Is he constantly teaching us that? He does it in his word. Y'all are leaving out an important, I'll give you a hint, person in all of this who allows us to know and to do the will of God. Holy Spirit, please do not be afraid of him. Okay? Do not be afraid of him. Because the only way that we can even accurately interpret the Scriptures is because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, because we have access to God through Jesus Christ and what He did for us at the cross, the Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now we can understand the Word of God. Now we can understand the will of God through the Word of God. Right? It is the Holy Spirit who is working in and through us. He is our guide. He is our counselor. He is the one who is leading us through this Christian life in the here and now. Don't, don't count him out. I promise you, you need him. Someone else. Will. How did you know that? Where did you read that from? Did you read that from Reader's Digest? Huh? No, you didn't get that from Reader's Digest, right? 1 Thessalonians 5. This is what Paul says. He said that. Hey, here's, here's the deal. Here's the will of God. How did Paul know to tell them that? He didn't read it in Thessalonians. Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Holy Spirit and the Word of God are going to never contradict each other, always complement each other because every word written in here was inspired by that same Spirit who lives in us, leading us and guiding us into the will of God. So, we talked about the now in regard to access to God's will. How about eternal? Man, I like the way you said that. We get to serve Him forever. Did you know this? <laughs> when we get there, there will be no more distractions. There will be no more jobs, right? There will be no, no more worry about how we're going to take care of our family. There will be no more stress. Praise the Lord, there will be no more traffic. We will get to forever serve and worship Him. Bring glory to Him in all that we do, not only in this life, but for all eternity. I say it to people all the time. Understand, guys, this is just practice. The worship that we get to experience, parts of God that we get to experience now, in, in our unglorified state, it's practice. Because one day we're going to get to, with every ounce of energy, every ounce of our being, I don't again, I don't even know what that looks like. Just to think about it thrills my heart to think that one day, one day I'm going to get to bow at his feet and there's not going to be 70,000 different distractions enter into my busy human mind. It will be him, him alone, his will alone for all eternity, serving him, bringing him glory in the presence of all of the redeemed and all of the heavenly hosts. And I have no idea only glimpses in Scripture that I see of what all that entails. But because of Christ, we get to be a part of that. Because of Christ, when we see those angels bowing down, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, because of Christ, we get to join in in His holy presence with them one day. All glory to God. Praise to Jesus for His obedient death on the cross. God's will. We have access to it. Don't forget that. You as believers, if you want to know God's will for your life, you are not reading these pages. You are missing an opportunity to know God's will for your life. Okay? Everything that you need for life and godliness, you're going to find it right here. The Holy Spirit is going to confirm that. He's going to lead you into the specifics. 
Okay? We know there are specifics that might not be covered here. It, it may not say, hey, take this job, right? Ryan, this is the job you need to take. But what it will say is delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so you'll know this. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord, and in delighting myself in the Lord, I'm going to then come into um, full submission to his will and his plan. And when I come into full submission to his will and his plan, my heart aligns with God's heart. He's going to give me the blessing that he died for me to have, and then I'm going to praise him. That's how this works. You know the will of God through the word of God and the spirit of God working together to confirm those things. Because why? Jesus has given us, through his sacrifice, access to God, access to his will. We've seen access to God's mercy, access to God's grace, God's righteousness, God's will. Now let's move on. Number five, God's promises. God's promises. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you and, and by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been, I like this, yes. Yes. Do I have access to God? Yes. But I've been a scoundrel. But you still do because of Jesus Christ. It's yes. <clears throat> Watch what he goes on to say. He says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are maybe in Christ. Anybody have that translation? If you do, trash it. It's not what it says says they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Do you know why God wants to fulfill his promises to us, those of us who are in Christ? It says it right there at the end. To the glory of God. So we have access to God's promises in Christ. They are yes. How do we experience that in the here and now? His provision. Did Jesus himself Teach us to not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough to worry about. Did he not teach us to trust him, seek first, Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things, all the provision you need, these things shall be added unto you. So because of Christ, we have access to God the Father. Because we have access to God the Father, we have access to God's promises. All of his promises are yes and amen. Christ. In the here and now, how else do we experience access to God's promises? We, we can stand firm, can't we? Do we have to waver? No, we don't have to waver on a single thing, do we? We can stand on the Word of God, the promises that we find in the Word of God, and even though we have not seen some of these promises fulfilled yet, we will. They will be fulfilled. Just as we look back in the prophecies that were made prior to Christ, they were fulfilled. All the prophecies that are yet to happen and the promises that are yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled. We can stand in that. I just like to stand in it and not argue with people and then watch God work. Isn't that amazing? Where you just stand in it and you go, I know what you're saying and I hear what you're saying. And I even respect you as a person enough to listen to you. However, I also know what the Word of God says. I'm not going to argue with you because there's no reason for us to have some needless argument. I'm just going to stand back, stand on the Word of God, and watch what God is going to do. And I can have that confidence to stand because I have been justified through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and I have access to God's promises. Every one that He's made is yes to His children. Think about that for a second. I, I encourage you to do this. Go dig through the scripture and see how many. You know, they can't even come up with an accurate number. They can't even come up with an accurate number to how many promises God has made in his word. They go back and forth. Well, there might be this. That sounds like a promise. Well, yeah, if he said it, it's a promise. It's going to happen. So anywhere that God has declared something, guess what? Promise. Whether it says promise or whether it doesn't. So here's the thing. Are they going to be fulfilled? Every single one of them. Do they apply to us? Yeah, they're all yes and amen in Christ. Moving on, that's the now. Anyone else? How do we experience God's promises in the now? Can we be bold? Sure. In our boldness, we, exp we, we express our confidence in the promises of God. Does he not tell us 
that don't worry about what you're going to say. It's the promise he made to the apostles. Don't worry about what you're going to say when, when men imprison you, put you in dark cells and threaten to kill you or torture you. I'll give you the words to say. Now, I want you to know this. We're all sitting in this room today because there were those who had confidence. They rested in that, and it came out as boldness because they trusted in the promises of God because they knew. Knew what? That the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. There's nothing. There's nothing on this earth. So that if they lost their own life, if they were beheaded, if they were crucified, if they were tarred and feathered, burned at the stake, we win. Why? Because God has promised that we're going to win, that we are going to be victorious, that He has overcome the world, and because He has overcome the world, we too will overcome the world because of what Christ has done for us. Yes, all of the promises in Christ are yes. Someone else. Trials and tribulations. Did Jesus promise us in this life there will be trials? Huh? He did. See, oftentimes we think of, of promises and we think, oh, cool, peaches and cream. No, he said, in this life, there will be all kinds of trouble. But he attached something to that. What did he say? Huh? He said something first. Take heart. Listen, don't, what he's saying, don't lose heart. I'm going to be right there with you. I got this. I've taken care of it. I've already overcome the world. Anything that's going to come against you, I've taken care of it. So we got the promise of trials and temptations, but we also have the promise of deliverance. And I love that. Those promises are, yes, in Christ. So if you're in Christ, guess what? He's got you covered. Access to God, His mercy, His grace, His righteousness, His will, His promises. He talked about the now in, the, in regard to the promises. What about the eternal? What about the eternal promises of God? Eternally? Huh? Eternal deliverance from everything. Everything that this world has thrown at us. Everything in this world that we have chased after in our flesh. Delivered. Someone else, eternally. Goodness, His mercy. There's no dying. We know this. We can read the Scriptures. We know this. Hey, death, no more. Sickness, no more. Pain, no more. Tears, wiping them away. We're going to spend our eternal existence. You know how long that is? Eternal. It's never going to end. In the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to spend an eternity in His presence. Why? Because He promised we would. Right? Did He tell Peter, if I go away and prepare a place for you, will I not come back and bring you where I am so that you'll be with me? Yes, He did. Has He not promised rescue for all of us? I know we don't talk about it much in churches nowadays. He's coming back for His bride. Right? He, he has not allowed us to go through this whole betrothal process to just leave us standing at the altar. He's coming back. He's coming back to get us. Please understand that. When He does, it will be a fulfillment of His eternal promise that we will be His eternal bride and enjoy that fellowship with Him for all eternity. Which brings us to the next thing in regard to access to God through justification by faith in Jesus Christ. God's fellowship. God's fellowship. Again, this is something that we often find ourselves taking for granted. John says it like this in 1 John. Those of you who were here on Sunday mornings when we went through 1 John, this will be familiar to you. Verse 1, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John says, we saw him. We touched him. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship. If you were here, you know this. You heard the word koinonia. That is that intimate fellowship with God. He says, you have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light in Him. There is no darkness at all. We claim to have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of, of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from 
all sin. The whole thrust of that little passage is fellowship. Fellowship with believers, fellowship with, most importantly, Christ and God because of Christ. So, we see in the now, we experience that fellowship. How? Yeah, we, we can experience koinonia, our fellowship that we have with each other because of the fellowship that we have with the Son, because of the fellowship that He has with the Father. We experience that, we know, again, let's bring Him into this through the Spirit, right? Wow, we just, we just saw the Trinity at work. Isn't it great? Someone else, how do we experience koinonia, fellowship, intimacy, prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Did you notice? That is a term of adoration, recognition of His holiness, of His majesty. So, we are allowed to experience, because of Jesus Christ, we are allowed to experience that kind of intimate fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Now, how else do we experience that access to His fellowship in our life? Through worship, right? Through worship. Does He inhabit the praise of His people? Huh? Only if His promises are true. How else? Thank you. Please quit leaving him out. Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit confirm to you the love of God? Does the Holy Spirit confirm to you that God loves you and he loves you first and the only reason that you love him is because he was willing to love you over and over again? Because I know I was not a lover of God and all of a sudden he came to me and he wooed me and he drew me and he loved me in spite of me. Anyone who could love me when I get honest about who I really am, wow, that blows me away. And the God of this universe, who is holy beyond anything that I can imagine, chose to love me while I was still a sinner. Christ died for me. Let that blow you away for a second in the here and now in regard to fellowship. God came and desired fellowship with me, a rotten scoundrel. Someone else, in the here and now, how do we experience confessing our sins? You ever had that moment where you're broken over sin? I mean, really broken. I, I don't know if Christians even get broken anymore over sin, right? It's like, okay, I sinned, whatever. Talk about where you were mortified by your sin. The fact that you did something that trampled the blood of Jesus Christ. You willfully chose to do something that you knew God's Word said was a sin. The Holy Spirit confirmed inside of you was a sin. You chose to do it anyway. But you remember the promises of God. You remember 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you went to Him, to His altar, and you laid it down. I mean really laid it down. I'm talking about repentance. And when you laid it down, you went there going, I don't even know if God's going to accept me. You laid it down, and the Spirit embraced you because you were honest about your filth. You were honest before a holy God, and He reminded you internally I've already taken care of it. Your righteousness is not based on you. Your righteousness is based on Christ walking in obedience because you now have access to obedience and to do the will of God. I freed you from you. Oh, and He embraces us. You ever been embraced by God's forgiveness when you confess? A million times. More times than I would like to admit it. Why? Because of that fellowship. He has desired to fellowship with you. Even before you recognized Him at all, His desire was to fellowship with you. When you spit in His face, He pursued you. When you blasphemed Him, He loved you. He desired fellowship with you. We experience that in the here and now. Right? How do we experience that for eternity? Is He going to welcome you into His dwelling place for all eternity? He'll be our God. We'll be His people. Y'all go, go read Revelation. Read it all the way to the end. Don't, don't, don't cheat yourself. I'll, I'll give you the spoiler. He makes all things new so that He can fellowship with man. It's His desire to have that koinonia relationship with us. And those of us who are in Christ, the redeemed, will experience that for all eternity. We will spend eternity 
in the glorious city of God in his presence because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Not because we had anything to offer God or because we were any better than anyone else. Why? Because we have access to God by justification through faith in Christ alone. We have access to God and have access to God through fellowship face to face in a glorified state for all eternity. Every single one of you men in here who are of the faith face to face, in a glorified state for all eternity, you will dwell in the presence of God. Psalmist, we know in Psalm 23, when he got to the end, we're looking through that on Sunday morning. Skip there to the end real quick. We're not going to get there on Sundays for a few weeks. He says, surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His hope was not in him. His hope was in his good shepherd, wasn't it? And because of his good shepherd, he knew this. Because of the shepherd, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because of Christ, our good shepherd, overseer of our souls, we will dwell in the presence of God in a glorified state forever. We see we have access to God, to God's mercy, to God's grace, to God's righteousness, to God's will, to God's promises, God's fellowship. Last one, God's family. God's family. John chapter 1. John's Gospel, he says this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. If you have your Bibles out, underline that, the right. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, for all my Armenian friends, or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave you the right to be His child. Therefore, because of Jesus Christ, you have access to God's family. In fact, you are made His child, adopted into His fold because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. We now have access to God's family. How do we experience that in the here and now. This church. It's what I tell people all the time. A believer will want to be in a church. And all this junk that you see on social media, that church is not the building. It is if that's where all the people join together. Okay? Because we're joining together as a family. We know the church is not a building. You're trying to justify not gathering with God's family. Stop. We know it's not a building. It's the family of God joining together for one purpose and one purpose alone, to praise and glorify our Lord and our Savior who redeemed us and gave us access to to God and to God's family. That's why Hebrews says to forsake not the assembly of the believers. That's why John says in 1 John that we know that we've passed from death to life because we love the brothers, we love the brethren, right? That's why we're here tonight. I I hope it's because we want to join with our brothers in Christ the family of God, and we want to learn more about the one who redeemed us by his precious blood, giving us access to such a wonderful family. I'll tell you this, you guys, this group of people that we meet with, we praise the Lord for, and together, they're my family. They're my family. They're closer to me than anybody on this planet because they are the family that God has put together for his glory and his namesake. That's our family. In fact, Jesus made that very clear. That your real family, they're not going to necessarily understand you. That they might disown you. They might not like you. But he made us this guarantee that we're going to be brought into his family, into his fold. A family that, you know, sometimes the lost people don't really understand it. We have the privilege to know this, that we have access to the family of God. We have the right to be called the children of God. Some people get offended by that when they say, well, that person's, man, they're a little religious. No, I'm sorry, I'm not religious, but I have been given the right to be called a child of God. So if you're noticing that I'm a child of God, all praise and honor and glory to Him, I hope that I am different because I once was lost and now I'm found. Would you like me to tell you how you who are lost could be found as well? And let's roll with the gospel at that point, can we? And so as we look at this, we have access to God and His family. 
in this life. How do we, how do we experience that? What goes on with that? What, what does this even mean? Somebody elaborate. What does it mean to be a part of his family right now on this earth? Anybody here benefit from that? How? Relationships. We lean on each other. Scripture talks about spurring one, an, one another along. Do we do that? I hope that's what we're doing. Let me tell you this. When I stop spurring you along as your pastor, y'all go to the elders and say, I think it's about time that y'all ask Kurt to leave because he's not spurring me along anymore. Now, if you just don't like the color of shirt I wear, just get over it. Okay? Some of us have style. Some of us don't. Okay, And I happen to like plaid. Right? What else? How do we benefit or what do we experience from access to God's family? We, we have unity, don't we? Anybody in here ever had to just put your differences aside with anybody in this room? You don't have to tell us all the details before you all get scared. Yeah, we have to do that. You know what families do? Huh? Do you, do you have some people in your family who <clears throat> they kind of get on your nerves? Huh? Listen, and I don't mind being the crazy uncle of the group. I get it. That's my job, right? I'm the crazy uncle of the family. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about unity in Christ, isn't it? We put our petty differences aside for the sake of the body. We unify. We do the will of God. That's what family's all about. How else do we experience access to God's family in this life? Help each other. Right? Shouldn't we serve one another? Did you know that serving one another in the body of believers is the same as serving God? That's exactly what you're doing serving his children. Anybody here ever lost a loved one and the church comforted you? Anybody here ever been through a hard time and the church helped you? Anybody ever had financial help from the church when they and they, they, they were down and out, didn't know where to come from, and all of a sudden the Spirit kind of worked this thing behind the scenes and all of a sudden you see some kind of help? Hmm, funny how that works. God takes care of his family, doesn't he? Someone else in the here and now Godly men to help lead and guide you. Is that the design? Huh? Older men in the faith? That doesn't mean you're old and gray-headed like me. It means this. It means that you're mature in the faith. Isn't it our job to lead those who aren't, to disciple them so that they can grow in the faith, so that they can then make disciples as they grow in the faith, who can then make disciples as they grow in the faith? It works. Huh? Greatest plan I've ever seen laid out. Here we are 2,000 years down the road. We're still chugging along under the power of God. By his design. God's family. Anyone else want to speak of the now and the benefits of walking in his family in the now? Man, sharing his joy. Shouldn't we rejoice when others rejoice? That's what the scripture says. One of our brothers and sisters uh, are full of joy. Rejoice with them. When they're full of sorrow, guess what? Mourn with them. Isn't that what the church is about? The family of God, what a privilege it is. We have the right be called the children of God. You know, we didn't have that right before we were justified through Jesus Christ. We weren't the children of God. We had the right to be called dirty, rotten, scoundrel on your way to hell. That's what I should have been called. That's what I was. But because we have trusted by faith in Jesus Christ and we have been justified by that faith in Him and Him alone, we now have the right, as John said, to be called the children of God, to be a part of His family. What will that look like for eternity? Go home. Right? Isn't that where our citizenship is? Uh, you ever been away from home for a long time? You got to go home? Even though home wasn't a very good place on this earth, home was home. You got to come home. Home was a good place. We know this. There's a home, a heavenly home that awaits us. There is an eternal place He has prepared for us. We get to go there. We get to go there someday. Why? Because we're good people? No, because we have been justified by grace through faith in Christ and that alone. Remember, don't forget, that's what Paul's still talking about, the results of justification, access to God. Access to God's mercy, his grace, his righteousness, his will, his promises, his fellowship, and to his family. Not only in this life, but for all eternity, we will enjoy fellowship with the family of God. Did you know that? Please understand, all of our brothers and sisters who have gone before, uh, the apostle Paul, Peter, James, John, we're all going to be there as a family. The one thing that's going to bring us together is what? Christ. What He did for us at Calvary. Can you imagine the first day of eternity? When we're all there. We're all perfected. We're all glorified. 
Can you imagine the roar? It won't sound like some boring old Baptist church. There will, will be a roar of praise and adoration from his family. I believe that. I believe that the earth is going to tremble because of the roar. Um, I believe it 100%. Uh, the new earth that he's going to form for us, to enjoy with him, it's going to shake. It's going to shake because the family of God is going to join together and be united under Christ. Watch this for the very first time. And it's going to start on that day, and it's never, ever, ever, ever going to in the presence of our Heavenly Father because of the obedience of His Son in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Justification allows us access to a holy God. I told you this is a big deal. Don't take it for granted. Don't take for granted the fact that Jesus Christ paid so that you can access the things of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we love You. We thank You so much for loving us. We thank You for the time just to come. We thank You for the access that we have. Because I know this, I was cut off, condemned, destined for hell. But in your great mercy, in your love for me that I had no clue of, out of nowhere, you came to my rescue. Thank you, Jesus. You died in my place. That you birthed faith in me to trust in that. Because of that, that alone, what you've done. I now have access to a God who I was destined to love. Thank you. You would not allow that separation between us. By your precious blood, you washed me, you cleansed me. You bridged a gap that I could never have bridged on my own. That I will enjoy forever. Lord, we love you. We thank you for these men. We thank you for their dedication to learn your word. More importantly, we thank you for their dedication to live your word. May we leave here tonight and see the privilege you paid for us to have being to access such an amazing God. We love you and we thank you so much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.